Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. If you have your Bibles, uh, it's Luke um, chapter 10. And it's a popular story, The Good Samaritan. Like, even if you don't go to church, you've heard of, like, The Good Samaritan. You'll see that on the news, right? If someone goes and does something, right? And, like, a lot of times it's saving someone from a, you know, uh, you know some kind of... Uh, incident burning you know building what do they call them like even if you're not a christian you call them oh they're a good samaritan we're gonna dive into that story though and um making sure that we don't just have what we think is understanding but we're kind of missing the point of what jesus is trying to to say here um one thing that we're gonna we see in luke is over and over luke talks a lot about love and mercy that's a core component to being a christian being a disciple he wants to make sure people get that because you can't be a follower of Jesus and lack love and mercy. You can't do that. And so he really is driving these points home with a lot of different stories and illustrations. We talked about it in Luke chapter 6, talked about it in Luke chapter uh, 7. And so um, he really wants to differentiate, and he's trying to help these new disciples, because you got to remember that these guys uh, are new to really uh, following what God wants them to do rather than what man is telling them to do. And so he's trying to create these new disciples that love in a new way. And um, it's one of those things that it's transforming when you understand of how God wants us to love compared to maybe how we think we should love. I see this a lot when I do marriage counseling because a lot of times I'll ask you know, people like, what's your purpose of your marriage? And I've, I've talked about this before over and over. Uh, and if you've done counseling with me, I've talked about that. Where A lot of times we don't think that through. And I said it's important to think through because a lot of times we think about, oh, I'm going to love this person because they, so far through dating, have somewhat loved me, right? And so it's kind of, there's a compatibility there. It seems like it's always going to be like this. But any of you that have been married longer, I'll give you about a year to not be in reality. And then after a year, you kind of hit reality. If there's not, there's days where you're going to love and you don't, that's not reciprocated, right? You're going to do something for someone they're like, well, they didn't say thank you. They didn't acknowledge or they didn't do it back, right? And we, and that's where a lot of marriages, when we don't think about it, kind of go downhill because the expectation is I'm going to love uh, when you love me. And when you stop, we're going to have issues. And I, I was uh, meeting with a couple right now, and it's fun to kind of walk them through. I said, think about this. What if you were part of a marriage where you loved based off how God has loved you and how he wants you to love them if they never give you a response? And I was just like, oh, that's crazy. And I said, that's the difference between a Christian marriage and when that isn't. A Christian marriage is I'm going to love you because God has called me to love you, and as I've said before, is to give that person back to God better than how I found them. That's what love is. Love isn't capitulating to whatever they want you to do and to be their servant. It's a leading way that gives them back to Jesus better than how you found them. And we all know if we've been a part of divorce or families that have been, when that doesn't happen, um, it really creates a lot of chaos, right? And so Jesus is kind of redefining this kind of uh, love, and it's, it's powerful when you see the kind of love that God talks about. Um, it's powerful in two senses, as far as what the Bible would say is that when you love the way God wants you to, not only does it help save other people, but it actually is important to your own salvation. What Jesus would say is, listen, salvation isn't, I grew up in a Christian family or I prayed a prayer. Salvation is there's fruit that comes out of it that I've received God's love, I don't just acknowledge God's love and forgiveness, and it should show. If there's no show, you would be very clear there's no go. You've got to stop and contemplate your own salvation. And we're kind of afraid to do that in the church today. 
especially for some of us that have been going to church for 20 years. I've seen people 10, 20 years in figure out that I don't know if I'm a believer. And a lot of times we're scared to be like, oh, don't do that because, you know, you just, and I'm like, no, no, no. If you're unsure, perfect. Let's, let's think about that because maybe there's something missing. That's a big deal. And so that's what Jesus is going to be kind of in this discussion today. Um, I remember the first time as a kid in the, in the church where I saw this kind of love and it was powerful. Um, my mom had just gotten divorced. We were driving a really old, uh, I don't know if you remember, Chevy Citation. Uh, and uh, those are really old, bad cars. They broke, it broke down all the time. I think they built them in order for them to break down often. So uh, we had a buzz that constantly wouldn't go away. So you turn on the car and it was constantly in our car. Uh, we were so embarrassed, I remember as kids, that we wouldn't invite people for rides in our car with our mom because we were so embarrassed of the car that my sister and I. And so um, we had this and uh, moved to Bakersfield. And so, um, which is even more depressing that we moved to Bakersfield. Uh, and so, not in a good place. And uh, I remember that we had a, a guy come over from the church and fixing our car, and he was there like all day long, fixing our car. And I just remember that stuck out to me as a little kid because my, my uh, second dad said he was a Christian, but yet he was very abusive, right? And so, uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't have this concept of what real sacrificial love was. He didn't sacrificially love my mom. Uh, and so to see that, I remember just the first time where I'm like, why would this guy do that? And there's nothing we could give him to be there all day. We didn't have enough money, we didn't, but he wanted to make sure that the car was good to go for this family, right? And I remember just, it just impacted me. And you don't realize when you love the way God wants you to, a lot of times we expect to see fruit from our own eyes and God says, no, 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 you won't see it. You guys see it through heavenly eyes. You see, I wasn't mature enough or I didn't know this guy well enough to be like, hey, thanks so much. Like, I never thanked the guy. But I remember it just impacted me. And when God would change my heart later on, that man was an imagery of what it meant to be a servant. Where you got nothing back, but you were willing to give. How could he do that? Jesus kind of talks about that today. So Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. Jesus uh, had just gotten done sending out uh, not just the uh, 12 disciples, but 72 uh, in Luke chapter 10 on a missions trip. And just so you know, it's really interesting. I hope you're reading through Luke with us. Uh, he, as he sends them out, he says like, hey, um, go to people that are kind of, uh, you know, good with you. And if they're combative, just leave, which is good for us as Christians today. As far as Jesus wasn't into, if people aren't listening to you, argue louder or post more, po you know, post more things. It's okay for a Christian just to be like, you don't want to hear from me? Great. Move on. Someone does. Let God kind of guide you to that person. Sometimes we stick on people that aren't ready to hear truth or to hear God's love, or right? And so he kind of sends out his disciples saying, this is how I want you to do missions. Not in a combative way, not in an authoritarian way, but a way of love and peace. And Oh, you're good? Okay. Maybe that person will be ready later. So he just gets done doing that, and, he, and he's confronted by someone in verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now we see he's testing Jesus. Does he really care about eternal life? No. He just wants to question Jesus to kind of trap him and show him that, that he really doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, there's two ways we can go to God. We can ask questions. One is with a heart really wanting to say, what's your will? And another one is we, we question God in order to question actually his character and who he is and not wanting an answer from him, but to prove him wrong. And that's where he was. 
And that's a dangerous place to be where I don't ask a question that's not authentic as far as I want to hear your answer even if I don't like it. And so um, he's doing this, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, what is written in the law, Jesus replied, how, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, with all your mind. The Old Testament right, verse. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Or he wanted to make himself look even a little bit more righteous. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus, in reply, said this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. This is a popular road. It's about 18 miles, just so you know. It goes about 1,000 feet down. So I'm assuming it's like, have you ever gone uh, Rancho, California, in Temecula, up into the foothills back there? That's pretty much like the road, but you would walk it and it'd be a little bit longer. Okay? But it was like that road. It was a canyon, right? So they, they know that it's easy for attackers. Um, it's easy for someone to get robbed. There's lots of twists and turns, so someone could take your stuff real quick. Nobody would see, things like that. It's just they knew what he was talking about. And so he's just sharing the story, whereas, well, all right, I'll give you a practical illustration because many people walk this road. And so we're going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, since he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, probably in the story it would be assumed that he was a Jewish man. Okay? It would be assumption. And so he says, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, and just so you know, uh, a, a Levite is kind of like an associate pastor or someone that's kind of doing the, the dirty work in the temple and the priest is doing all the sacrificing like that, but they're both kind of in ministry, vocational ministry. These guys should know what it means to follow God. So he's saying, but uh, a Levite then came to the place and saw him and passed by the other side, did the same thing. And so he's saying, is you got two people that you would assume would be spiritual. Two people that look spiritual, they talk spiritual, they're part of church, they're part of worship. Everything, look, people would look at them and go, they are on the path to eternal life. They know what love is and how to love God. And what's interesting about this is these guys could probably even justify why they didn't, either biblically or even just practically. Biblically, it could be that maybe that person was unclean, right? They were bleeding, there's maybe kosher laws with that. They had all these even you know, biblical justifications, extra laws that they added of why they couldn't. It could have just been practical as far as, I don't know, busy. I got things to do. Or it's an inconvenience. Or I don't have everything that that person needs. Or I'm not medically qualified. Right? There's all kinds of reasons they could come up with. But Jesus then goes on to say, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, Jesus is driving a point home here because Samaritans were people that for hundreds and hundreds of years, Jewish people and Samaritans fought. And Jewish people considered Samaritans uh, to not truly be religious, not truly be a part of Israel. Uh, basically, they had hundreds of years earlier married people that weren't Jewish, of Jewish faith, right? And so they didn't even want to hang around with them, and they never considered them to be able to be close to God, right? And so Jesus is using this on purpose with a Jewish uh, a priest, right, or a lawyer. And so he's using this on purpose. And so he's saying that someone you don't assume to be spiritual is actually very spiritual. 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at certain people and thought they have to be spiritual? Sometimes that's why we get, we're blown away when some of our Christian idols fall. But they're supposed to be spiritual, whether they're authors or preachers or, right? They're, 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 no, no, no. We look on the outside, but Jesus looks on the inside. And sometimes we overlook those spiritual legends because they're not in the spotlight, because they're busy serving and loving out of the spotlight. And so Jesus is pointing out this blind spot to them, sometimes within our assumptions. And he says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Notice the contrast here of people that appear to say that they love, they, they worship God, they talk about grace and mercy, but when it comes to the day in, day out, traveling a road, they don't make the time. And this guy not only makes the time, not only has pity on him, but then takes action. Now, here's the other thing in this story is as they cross the road, those guys might have had pity on him. Like, ooh, that was a bad one. Oh, he really got messed up, right? Dang. As they go for the road, like, whoo. And what did they probably say? If you're a really good Christian, what do you probably say as you're walking by? I'll pray for you. A couple good Christians in the crowd, right? You ever been there? Man, I can't make rent. Woo, that's a tough one. I'll pray for you. Man, I'm really lonely. Oh, good luck. I'll pray for you. Man, I'm, right? We, that's, our, our Christ, that's our Christian way of kind of blocking like a, like a stiff arm in football, right? You know, someone wants to do something. Ah, I'll pray for you. You know, don't require my money or my time or, you know, I'm busy. This is where God's really shown, Jesus is really making a point. This is important for us as a church. Good intentions of loving mean nothing without sacrificial action of love. Big deal, you guys. Not only for other people, but for your own salvation. Because Jesus didn't just have good intentions with you. He went to the cross for you. Good intentions would have been like, ah, you guys are in a bad spot. Oh, good luck. You want to go to the cross? Mm -mm. Hopefully you can be righteous enough. He had to follow through and say, they're in a bad spot. And because I love, and it's a pure love, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to be sacrificial. Because whatever I pour out, God the Father has poured into me. So I will never be empty. And so, this, you see where the story is deeper than just some be a good Samaritan, look for the, no, 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 it goes deeper. It has to do with your own salvation, but also has to do with the salvation of others and helping to save others. So he didn't just take pity on him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, which were very expensive practical things back then. He gave up his own expense. He goes even further, check this out. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. This guy was on a journey. By the way, this isn't a road that you just go for a walk with your dog. You don't go from Jerusalem to Jericho and be like, oh, let's go for a jog and go back. This guy was going somewhere, and when you went on this road, you went fast. You didn't putz around. Why? Because you could get robbed or beat up, right? So you, he had places to go, and he didn't go there. He stayed the night. Think about that. He stayed the night because it says the next day. From there, he gives them two denarii. What we know from archaeology, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but we're, we're trying to put pieces together when we look at ancient documents and, and uh, when we look at archaeology, we have some things from what we think are an inn 
um, or a, what we call a hotel or things like that, about one thirty thirty second of a denarii, yeah, one thirty second of a denarii would take care of one night. That's what we're guessing. He gave two. It's about two months for the man to stay there. He paid for two months. It wasn't, I see a homeless person and I'll give you one night, good luck, buddy. But if I give any more, that's going to cut in my Starbucks over the next month. Hey, stay in this hotel for two months. I don't know if he's going to become a Christian. I don't know that, but I have pity on a human being that's living on the street in 105 degrees. Well, what if he did it to himself? Or what if he's mentally ill? This guy didn't ask any questions. Hey, buddy. Hey, you look pretty bad there. Did you start the fight? Did you, did you start it? Because if you started it, I'm not going to help. Hey, buddy, are, are, are you okay? Hey, are, are you a Samaritan too, or are you Jewish? Because No questions. Just love. This has to be hitting the crowd. This is making it awkward. And Jesus wants, I don't know if you know this about Jesus, he loves making things awkward. He has no problem with making things awkward because in the awkwardness is when we have to wrestle with our own heart to make sure that it's in alignment with God. And he says, the next day he took the two dinner and gave them to the innkeeper to look after him. And he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you. Now he's going to come back two months later. This guy's going way above and beyond. He says, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And then Jesus says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? He's like, crud, i got to make the Samaritan look good. He does not want to make the Samaritan look good. The expert replied, the one who had mercy on him. Notice he didn't even say the Samaritan. <laughs> right? Jesus is revealing his heart. Just so you know, when you allow the Word of God and you meditate on the Word of God, it makes your heart awkward and it goes in places that are very difficult for you. And I, I just want to encourage us, our church with this. Some of us avoid the Scriptures and we say, it's because I don't understand it or it's boring. And really that's a cover. It's just really difficult when I let the Holy Spirit convict me and question my own salvation or question my priorities in life. That's a very difficult thing for all of us. So it's easy to kind of, I'll just wait for Sunday, then it'll open up during the week saying, Lord, clean me out. And it's difficult for this guy too to hear the words of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, probably with a smile on his face, because he knew he wasn't going to do it, he said, go and do likewise. How do I have salvation? How do I live eternally? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as myself. How do I love my neighbor? Jesus showed us in this story. Two things I want to highlight, um, and you can write this down. Um, a love that saves. Go ahead and put that up there. Um, a love that saves. Um, and when I talk about saves, it's a love that saves others, but I want to be honest, it's a love that saves you. One that verifies and validates your own salvation, which I think we need to validate at times. Like, wait, wait, wait. Do I, am, I believe, am I a believer? Am I saved? These are the signs of it. And when these lack, we've got to reevaluate. So it saves others, and, it, and this is the kind of love that saves ourselves. The, the first one is this, is that I care and respond to suffering. I care and respond to suffering. I have empathy. I desire to show mercy. I never get so cynical towards people or society that I no longer care about their suffering and where they're at in life. 
And that could be spiritual suffering, physical, emotional, whatever it is. The church has to be on the forefront of meeting needs and never getting cynical or getting tired of meeting those needs. Just so you know, that's why as a church, we're constantly thinking about where are ways that we can love, whether it's in Tijuana. And it's not like, let's just give a little money and feel good about ourselves. Now, how do we integrate down there and help change lives? Because can you imagine, or maybe some of us can, depending on how we grew up, growing up and not having one or two people that say, I love you. Being abandoned by your parents. Having parents that are like, we love you, but we can't afford, so we've got to send you to an orphanage. All these different reasons. And what that does to a small child, what that does psychologically, what does, but yet we have a group of people that are not Christians that want to show God's love, saying, no, 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 you're part of a greater family, and that's the family of God. That's why we encourage you guys when it comes to just needs here, things here. It's important that we constantly have this mindset of helping others that are suffering because we realize that God has helped us in our suffering. And I want to encourage us with this, is you can't always impact people that are oppressors, but you can always help the afflicted. A lot of times we always think of like, oh, we need to stop people that are oppressors and that are perpetrators and all that kind of stuff. Those people will always be around. And yeah, whether it's a legal thing, they need to be in jail, you know, but you can always help people that are afflicted, even if you can't stop the oppressor, right? And so it's one of those things of that we have to have that mindset and those eyes to see In fact, I would say that this is one of the key ways that we kind of get out of ourselves. And I would encourage you with this, is that when we serve others and their suffering is when we truly understand God's love in our lives. Some of us, what happens is we get so into trying to absorb God's love and we think that it's just this thing where we just have to think about it and kind of just, and what God wants to say is that sometimes I'm going to heal you by you helping to heal others. Because you kind of get outside of yourself. And you kind of learn as you serve others and you understand how God treats you. It's kind of like being a parent. One of the great things about being a parent is you, is you have a lot more grace on how your parents were parents. Because <laughs> like, whoa, this was, right? As you serve others, you learn a lot about yourself. That's why a lot of people that have been through abusive situations, they get re-triggered when their kids are at certain ages that they were abused at. Why? Because you're kind of reliving that, right? And so it's one of those things of the best way you can kind of grow is by giving to others. And so sometimes we're looking to grow as far as I need to memorize more Bible verses, I need to read the Bible more, I need more worship, I need more. And that, that kind of self-absorbed way of being like, I need more. And God's like, no, 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 no. It's kind of like your heart's like a jar and God's put enough truth and love in and you're trying to pour more in. He's like, no, 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 no. Pour it out and then I'll pour more in. <laughs> but I've already given you enough for today or for this week. Go and serve others. Find people that are suffering and you'll learn more about me and the way I've loved you. The second way, though, that love saves us is not just by having this empathy and this, this merciful outlook as far as uh, seeing suffering, but the second way is that we pour out love in, a, in intimately, abundantly, and purposefully. We pour out love intimately, abundantly, and purposefully. And this is really the key difference in the world. You see, the world will love many times as far as I can love within that, that circle that of people that kind of I know or that love me back. The thing about when we see human sufferings, I don't have to know that human being, but they're valuable because God created them. So I don't have to know them. So anyone that's suffering, I can go and, and treat them in a way that's incredibly loving. 
But another level that we can kind of go to as far as the difference in the world's love is that we, we love intimately, abundantly, and purposefully. Intimately means this, is that when we pass by people, we don't pass over people. That's what I mean, intimately. When we pass by people in life, we don't pass over them. It means that we're aware. Intimately means that I take time to look into people's eyes, into their lives. I have my ears open. It could be something as simple as just helping someone that you notice you're in a parking lot and you got a mom out there, she's got three kids and one of them's throwing a tantrum trying to put the groceries in. And I just slow down and like, go and help. It could be something as simple as just, you know, hearing someone say something at work and noticing that they're having a down day and rather than just, I got to get work done, well, let me stop in these moments. There's an awareness there. I think what's interesting about the story with the Levite and the priest and the Samaritan is all three of them were busy, but I think one, as they passed by, just kind of passed over them. Someone else will do it, that mindset. But also not seeing each person as a valuable soul that God loves, that God cares about. And so one of the things as Christians is it also we become intimate with people as far as really caring about where they're at and where they're suffering. The second thing is abundantly is what I mean by this is that we sacrificially give in a way that is inconvenient for us. I think this is hard. Because none of us mind giving as long as it's not inconvenient, as long as it doesn't cost me too much. Right? And the reality is that God, when we love the way He wants us to, it's very inconvenient. It requires time. You'll be a little bit more tired. It'll be a little bit frustrating. It won't be easy. People, are, people when they're suffering, aren't always easy to take care of. Right? I think that's hard for us. I think it's one of those things as we think about God's love too is making space in our lives to be inconvenienced. So we just make space to do that. That's where those simple things as far as seeing the homeless person, right? And not just, you can throw a dollar at them, but what about if you actually went and got lunch for them, drove back, and prayed with them? Like it's, it's that level. Our society is very good at throwing love, right? Whenever there's a hurricane, Billions of dollars people give. But do they really have an emotional connection? How many go and drive? Or how many make phone calls and making sure that they can do more in the local area, right? We give money and we're like, ooh, I feel good. And Christian love's a little bit where God's like, no, 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 no. The kind of love that I want is one that's intimate and one that is abundant. It's sacrificial in time, sacrificial in money, but it's difficult. I think one of the things that's hard for us when it comes to love is no, I just don't want to. I don't have the time or the energy. And that's something we've got to stop and contemplate. Because Jesus says, if that becomes a habit in our life, then where do I fit in with my love for you? The third thing that he talks about is that it's purposeful. Is that we're, we're helping someone in need, not just someone that I like. So we tend to help people that we like, that look like us, talk like us, walk like us. Or for some of us, I'll help them if they've already helped themselves. But what Jesus says is that, no, just look at the need, not necessarily the person. Look at those who are suffering. 
There's a, a quote that says it's better to give than to receive. You guys have heard that one? And I would venture to say is that you can actually only give from what you've received. And when you lack giving, what that shows is then you've lacked receiving something from God. And so when I can't go and help others, then usually it shows there's a disconnect between how much God has really helped you. Either you're unaware of it or you haven't received it. Because when someone has helped you greatly, you can't help but go and help others, right? But when you feel like you've never been helped in life, right? <laughs> um, my grandma was one of old school, kind of pull the boot, you know, pull your, yourself up by your own bootstraps, kind of a thing, you know, like that. And she was a very hard woman, very hard woman. And so I remember asking my mom, just like, hey, she's a hard woman. Like, I'm not afraid of my grandpa. If there's a fight, I'd be afraid of my grandma. Like, she would, like, roll up the sleeves and be like, I'm going to, right? And then hearing about her life, I'm like, ah. Felt like she was always taken advantage of, and no one helped her. So she could never go and help others because she'd never been. And that's how some of us are. We lack this compassion, and it's because we haven't really received the compassion of God. Or we're unaware of it. We're like, listen, I've already bandaged your wounds. I've already paid a debt that you can't pay. And so we, we kind of miss that. But when we reflect on that, it should show the fruit of that as far as then we go out and love others. Luke 6, 32 through 36, Jesus says this. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them or the world. That's not godly love. And it's not a, a, a love that saves you. He says, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those uh, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Just got done at the gym. It was hot. Just wanted to be home. You know, situations where you just want to be home, you want to eat. Sweaty, driving, and there's a car in the middle of the street sitting there. Woman in the car, um, not going anywhere. You can kind of tell she's on the phone, but nobody's doing anything. And I'm sitting there. You know what my first thought was as a pastor? Well, I'm not that bad, dude. I'm not. You're going to get me fired. If I were to say that to you guys, you'd be like, we need a new pastor. But something close to that. In my mind, I'm just like, and I had the AC on the car. I'm just like, somebody else. Somebody else. This is so dumb, you guys. Then I was thinking, I got flip-flops on. Right? I know I always have flip-flops on, but I have, I have flip-flops on, right? You know, I can't move a car in flip-flops. It's too... You guys, the split second, all that kind of stuff goes through my mind, right? Thank God, I think the Holy Spirit kind of took over, like, shut up, you idiot. Like, just kind of like, right? And, and it's just, it's in an instant where it's like, no, Christians should be all over that car. This is when we find out. When people are honking their horns, or what's wrong, get out of the way, why? Because I have places to go. They view people as an inconvenience, not as an opportunity. Christians, as we go out today, we view people as opportunities, even people that are suffering opportunities, not 
an inconvenience because I'm not an inconvenience to Jesus. Uh, car in my flip-flops, right? Going there, pushing, and of course, it's slightly uphill to 7-Eleven where we live, right? And just going. So we push it, and a couple other people jump out. We get the car, get to the gas station. So then um, the lady doesn't say anything. Right? <laughs> so I push the car back to the middle of the... So then, no, but I, I'm just trying to be honest with you guys. So then I'm walking away, and then now I'm angry that I helped her right? Because I'm like, it's hot. I'm in flip-flops. No thank you. No sense of like, she was so inter... And that's the thing about when you're suffering is sometimes you're a little chaotic and you don't remember to say thank you. I was a 12-year-old boy. I wasn't mature enough to say thank you to the guy that takes a car and be like, dude, thank you for loving my mom. Like, thank you for... Because most men in our life have been abusive, not loving, saying I need nothing in return. And that's what it means to be a Christian is when I do all of this, I don't know what Jesus is trying to get to. You do all of this, not because of the way they treat you, but the way God is treating you. And this is the thing. The more you focus on your walk with God, it's not about your own self-absorption, but it's about that. The more I reflect on my love for God, I can't wait to love others. And when we lack love in this church, what it tells me is we lack a reception of love of God. And when as a church, we can't wait to be generous, whether it's in Mexico, whether it's here, whether it's as the roads that we travel throughout the day, and I hear stories of that, that shows me we get that love of God in our lives. That's what Jesus is saying about the Good Samaritan. And that's when you know you have eternal life. How do you get confidence that you have eternal life? Because you love others the way Jesus loved you. You can go to bed at night being like, I can't wait to see Jesus. But when we look at our lives being like, why do I have so many... I'm not, I'm not really reaching people. I'm not really, you need to, there's, some, there's a disconnect between you and God. We're going to take time now. We're going to worship. And, and, and here's the goal of worship. is for you to just completely be absorbed by the love of God in your life. And the way he's not just loved you with good intentions, but really sacrificial actions, which is why we take communion. Because what he did on the cross is a motivator for you. And not just to be like, thank you, Jesus, but it inspires you to go and be sacrificially loving others. So during worship, you can take communion by yourself or with others if you want to pray together. But I kind of want to use this time as communion, as kind of a charge of saying, all right, God, this week, give us opportunities that we can go in the abundance that you've given us financially, emotionally, whatever you've given us, that we can then give that out to those that are serving. Even if it's an inconvenience, we know it's a spiritual opportunity. So Jesus, we come before you now, and I just, I pray as a church that Sometimes we view spiritual things, Jesus, as like worship, going to church, reading the Bible. And what I love about Luke is you show us the most spiritual thing we can do is go push a car in the heat. Go pay a meal for somebody. Go give someone room and board for a week. And not think about ourselves because you will give us as we give to others. You will fill us up as we pour out to others. So Jesus, I just pray that as a, we're a tiny church, but I pray we'd be mighty in your name. And we wouldn't wait for the church to organize something. We wouldn't wait for something else. We would do it because your spirit compels us, leads us. So as we walk the path from Jerusalem to Jericho, or from Marietta to Hemet, or from one house to another, Lord, give us eyes to see that we would never pass over people as we pass by them. We'd see each soul as precious, in need of a Savior, in need of love. And may we deliver that love, Jesus, in your name.
Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 